0: Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you this uh, day before Christmas Eve, which is crazy to think about, but so exciting that we get to come back and celebrate again tomorrow and on uh, Tuesday, just a wonderful opportunity to celebrate what God has done For us in Jesus, and if you've been with us through Advent, you know we've been talking about some different emotions and some different feelings that seem to come up, well, any time of year, but they seem to also be magnified during the Advent and Christmas season, and this morning with you I'd like to talk about how this time of year can be a time that is full of conflict, Now, it might not be the one we like to talk about a lot or even acknowledge a lot, but I think if we stop to think about it, we are surrounded by a lot of different types of conflict. And I'm not just talking about worldwide or even nationally, if you're looking at the newspaper. I'm talking about personal conflict. Now, you might be thinking about a dinner you're going to have on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and there's someone there that you have some interpersonal conflict conflict with. Maybe even someone you haven't bought their gift yet and, you know, you have to figure out how much are you going to spend and what does it communicate. We oftentimes have conflict with other people. We also might have conflict with people that even live under the same roof as us. Maybe it's with our spouse. Maybe it's with our children. Sometimes conflict can even be less personal and less Uh, relational. It can be financial. Maybe it's been a a really hard time of year and we're wondering how we're going to make ends meet and it's a conflict that we have in our minds. Maybe it can be a, a physical conflict. We're dealing with a health concern or maybe a diagnosis that's come up and we feel that conflict within us. I think every one of us here, if we're honest, has a conflict or two that we're dealing with. And this time of year when we're told to be happy and bright and cheery and joyous, well, it can be magnified that conflict can be under the surface but can be very concerning to us. And with all the conflict that's in our world and all the conflict that we have in our lives, I think we would all say we could use some peace, right? We would really like a heavy dose of peace this Advent and Christmas season. I heard a story about a monastery was deep in the woods in Europe, and it was a really intense monastery where they took a vow of silence. But every year on Christmas Day, one monk could get up and say one sentence and break that vow of silence. So it got around to Christmas Day, and Brother Thomas got up after the meal that they had shared, and he said, this was a delightful meal. I especially loved the mashed potatoes, and he sat down. And it was silent again for 365 days. The next Christmas, Brother Michael got up and he said, I despise the mashed potatoes. They are way too lumpy. And he sat down. It was silent again for 365 days. Christmas Day the next year, Brother John got up and he said, I can't stand the constant bickering. (laughs) (laughs) You see, I think... Every single person could use some peace in their lives. So we're finishing up this series that we've been in during Advent called Adventure. And since today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're going to finish off this series. And it's really been about how at Christmas, God has changed everything. And Christmas, even though we celebrate it every year and it can feel routine and we can get kind of in a rut... It's really an invitation to us to be a part of an adventure, to be a part of a journey where God wants to do things in our life that we can't do on our own. He wants to help us to travel from some negative and harmful and some painful things into a great future where he's at the center. So a number of weeks ago, we kicked this off by talking about how he wants to move us from anxiety to hope. And then we talked about how he wants to move us from bitterness to love. And last week, we talked about how he wants to move us from sorrow to joy. And today, I want to talk about how God wants to finally bring us from conflict to peace. Now, I think most people on earth would agree that peace is a good thing and that we could all use a lot more peace. But the thing is, peace means different things to different people at different life stages. I mean, think about what does peace mean to a soldier who's in the midst of a battle. Or think about what peace means to a young mother whose baby will not stop crying in the middle of the night. Or think about what peace means to a young child who day after day watches their parents argue and fight. You see, for each person, I think peace is really the absence of something. It's the absence of war. It's the absence of noise. It's the absence of conflict. But the question for us today is, what kind of peace does Jesus bring into our world? What kind of peace does God promise to bring at Christmas? Well, the Jewish people, for centuries, had a word to describe what God was going to do in our world. And it's a word you've probably heard before. It's the word shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. But shalom, God's type of peace, is so much more than the absence of war or the absence of suffering or the absence of conflict. You see, shalom means wholeness, and it means completeness. And it's the overwhelming presence of God's goodness throughout the world. Really what it is, is it's the way things were intended to be from the beginning. This is what God wants for every person on earth. You know, I think every one of us, if we would stop and think about it, knows deep down in our soul, things are not the way they should be. Even people who don't acknowledge God or people who don't consider themselves Christians notice this deep down. When they look around, they're like, this is not the way the world should be. There is too much suffering. There is too much pain. There is too many troubles and things that people have to go through. This can't be the way that things are supposed to be. You know, ever since sin and brokenness entered into our world in the Garden of Eden, God's people have cried out to him for his intervention, for him to come and to bring the peace that we deeply, deeply crave. And so throughout the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets, and his message to his people again and again is, my peace is coming. One day, my peace will break through into this world, and my peace will come in a person. And so people waited year after year, decade after decade, century after century that better days were coming because God had promised and they were on the lookout for this person who would make all things right and who would be a peace beyond anything we can imagine. So there was a prophet named Isaiah who lived 700 years before Jesus was born and Isaiah in chapter nine of his book said these words. He prophesied, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so the people waited in anticipation and they wondered again and again where is this prince? Where is this person who will be our peace? There was another prophet who lived at the same time as Isaiah, and his name is Micah. And Micah said that this ruler who was coming into the world would be born in this little insignificant town called Bethlehem. And he said about this person, he will be their source of peace, not just that he will come and try to figure things out, or kind of try to interject something. But he will literally be the source of the peace that we're waiting for. But then Christmas came, 700 years later, and it was anything but peaceful. You know, we sing Christmas carols, we have these nice images of maybe what Christmas looked like, and they seem to always be these nice, calm, serene, peaceful Pictures. But Jesus was born into a difficult, broken, painful world. Israel, where Jesus was born, was in the midst of a many, many century time of heartbreak. Israel had been conquered by Babylon years before. And then Babylon had been conquered by Persia. And then Persia had been conquered by Rome. And now Rome was ruling over Israel. And they were awful to the people. And the people were desperate for peace. And they were looking everywhere for this Messiah who had been promised to them. And so, in our Christmas gospel in the book of Luke, it begins In those days, Caesar Augustus, you've heard this many times, but we have to stop and remember he was a brutal dictator. It says a lot about how unpeaceful and how difficult life was. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. And no, they didn't go down to their mailbox and get a little form that they could fill out in their leisure time. It wasn't that easy. They're going to take a census of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now this isn't a nice family reunion. There's not a water park for the family to hang around. No, this is mandated to everyone simply because the Romans wanted to be sure that they got all the taxes they needed. And if you didn't follow instructions and you didn't go to where you were supposed to do, they could break down your door and take anything they wanted. Again, this is anything but a peaceful, calm, and serene time. But then the angels show up and they have these words for the shepherds. The first angel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And their ears would prick up, is this the one we've been waiting for? Is this the one that God has told us about through the prophets? Suddenly, a great company of angels appeared, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? Shalom to those on whom his favor rests. Now, why is this good news for, of great joy for all the people on earth? Because the Messiah is finally here. And he's bringing peace, but not any kind of peace. He's bringing God's shalom into the world. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God's goodness and wholeness. You see, the angels are announcing the greatest news that's ever been shared. The one has come who is going to repair and restore everything that's been broken. Everything that's sin is damaged. He's going to repair everything that's been fractured. And things are going to be the way that they were intended to be. But you see, the angels aren't the only ones to talk about this. If we just fast forward about 30 years, Jesus is in the temple and he says the words that Carol read in the gospel lesson. He stands up before the people and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this was a prophecy that was well known by all the people. And it's a description of what God's peace and God's shalom Looks like this is the way the world is supposed to work. This is what God intended for us before sin entered the equation. It's the healing of everything that's been broken. This is what the prophets had prophesied. This is what the people had waited for day in and day out. And now Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to bring you God's peace. Now, I think it's easy to hear this story. It comes around every year at this time. We might look forward to hearing it in December and just think, what a nice, nice story to remember. But what in the world does this have to do with my life today? Well, again, I think if we look around, we would say that we live in a very unpeaceful World, every one of us could use some more peace. And so now, 2,700 years after Isaiah and Micah's time, and 2,000 years after Jesus was born, we, just like the people of the Old Testament, still long for God's intervention. We still are looking for God's peace in our lives. And no matter what we might be facing today, We really wish God would just come and fix it, that he would just make it go away once and for all. And you know what? I wish I could tell you this morning that because Jesus was born on Christmas, all of your struggles will magically disappear. I wish I could tell you there's three steps to put into practice, just do them in order, or that there were some magic words that you could say, because that's precisely what the Israelites were hoping for. They hoped that this person who represented God's peace would come into the world and snap his fingers and everything would be all right. They hoped that he would come in and he would overthrow the Romans and all of their oppressors and there would instantly be peace. But the peace that God brought through Jesus was not about liberating his people from the Romans. And it's not just about taking away relational and emotional struggles we might have. You see, what Christmas addresses is actually the most serious conflict that you and I face. Christmas specifically is about addressing the most serious conflict that you and I face. And no, it's not Packers versus Vikings, and it's not Democrats versus Republicans, The most serious conflict that you and I face in our lives is the conflict between us and God. Jesus came to bring peace between us and God. Now, I think so often we fail to understand what a big deal this is and how important this is. We so often like to think, well, yeah, but God's a God of love and he loves everyone and it's just kind of happy and joyous we fail to understand the seriousness of our sin. Now it is certainly true, God does love everyone, but our relationship with him is permanently damaged by sin and we can't do anything about it on our own. The Bible puts it this way in Colossians 1.21, you were once far away from God. Check out this next part, it's kind of uncomfortable. You were his Enemies. Have you ever considered yourself an enemy of God? That's what sin does to our relationship. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Our sin damages our relationship with God and it needs repair. And so God sent Jesus on a mission to be our peace. To reestablish peace between us and God once and for all to do what we can't do on our own. He brings healing and he brings restoration into the parts of our life that we can't touch. If there's anything from your past that you are still carrying with you that brings you guilt and shame, Jesus has come to bring you peace. If there's something that haunts you from the past or even the present, Jesus comes to bring you peace. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Because he went to the cross for you and for me, because he shed his blood for us, we can have the complete and total forgiveness of our sins, no matter what we've done or said or thought, and he brings us peace with God. Isaiah tells us, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. It wasn't a beautiful driving here this morning, seeing that fresh coat of snow, a reminder of what God is able to do through Jesus. Everything might feel dirty and muddy, but he comes and he gives us this fresh coat of white snow to remind us Of what he's accomplished in Christ Jesus. He brings us peace, shalom, with the God of the universe. So my question for you this morning is, have you received and have you embraced the peace that comes from God through Jesus? You know, this is the most important question that you might ever answer. It's the most important question you can consider this Christmas season. Do you have personal shalom with God today? It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can earn. And it's certainly not something that we deserve. But Paul tells us in Ephesians, he himself is our peace. If you haven't received his peace, into your heart through Jesus. Don't let another day go by. If you wonder about your relationship with God, if he feels disconnected and distant, his heart for you is no more clear than him sending his son Jesus to be born into the brokenness of this world. Receive him into your life through faith. Let him walk with you. From this day forward. You see, Jesus' very most important mission was to bring peace between us and God, and it's a peace that starts right now, and it makes an eternal difference in our lives. This is a peace that is available today, even if your life is full of chaos, even during the craziest of times. So Christmas reminds us, though, that peace not only came for us, it's also able to be shared through us. God's shalom not only came for us, it's also meant to be shared through us. Jesus came to give us peace with God in the midst of our broken relationship. And we too can share that grace and love with others in our life. In fact, it's one of our greatest responsibilities as Christians. Probably the most powerful example of this that I've ever witnessed was at a conference I was at a number of years ago. And there was a woman who was there speaking. And her name was Immaculi Ilibagiza. She grew up in Rwanda, and back in 1994, when the Rwandan genocide took place, she was 22 years old. And you might remember the story of how there were two warring tribes and one rose up and its goal was to wipe out the other tribe completely. And in just a few months, they killed a million of their fellow countrymen. And people fled for their lives. Well, Immaculate didn't know where to go, so she went to her priest's home, which was down the road. When she got there, he helped out, helped her hide with seven other women. Eight women hid in a bathroom that was three feet by four feet, if you can imagine. 12 square feet, eight people, for 91 days. And while she was there, Many of her family members were hacked to death just a few blocks away. Now, she talked about how when she was in this bathroom, wondering if she was going to survive, she dealt with deep feelings of hate and anger and bitterness, and she didn't know if she could go on. But one day, she felt God speak to her, and she decided to start praying And she not only prayed for her own safety, she even started to pray for her enemies. And she focused on forgiveness. She said it's the only way that she stayed sane. Well, after 91 days, the killing stopped, and they were able to come out of their hiding place. One of the first people that she encountered after she was out of the hiding place was one of the men who had killed her mother, her brother, and a number of other extended family members. She walked up to this man, and she looked him in the face, and she said, I forgive you. And it was such a powerfully freeing moment for both of them that it became a witness to the rest of the country. And she traveled around speaking about forgiveness and peace and moving forward. You see, she was able to find shalom, even in the most difficult and ugly circumstance. She was able to help bring peace out of horrible conflict. What an incredible witness for us. Many centuries ago, there was a man named St. Francis, and he lived in a place called Assisi. He was an incredibly humble man who was known for his care for the poor and also for all of God's creation. When I was growing up, there was this needlepoint we had on the wall, and it was of a man with animals kind of all over him in the forest. And I remember just staring at this needlepoint, and I eventually figured out it was a monk because he had, you know, kind of one of those monk hairdos, kind of circle things. There were some words alongside of it. And it was the words of a prayer. And I remember just reading those words again and again and again. And I think the words of this prayer might be familiar to many of you. It begins by saying, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, Light, where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. I love that prayer. I read it over and over and over again as it hung on the wall. But I think these words so completely describe God's shalom. What he wants to bring into our world through Jesus and what he wants to do through each one of us. As we receive the peace of God this Christmas season, The question is, will you commit to being God's peace to others? I mean, think for a moment, what might your family gathering look like if you would apply these words to your life? What would your Facebook wall look like if you would apply these words to your life? What would your work interactions look like if you would daily apply those words to your life? Think of all the people that you will still encounter this Christmas season. And think about the struggles and the conflicts that still weigh on your heart today. And then invite God to bring his peace through Jesus into your heart. But don't stop there. Ask him to help you radiate his love and his peace in every interaction that you have from this day forward. As we close out together, what I want to invite you to do is to pray the words of St. Francis' prayer and to think about applying these words into your life from this day forward. So you pray with me? Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Let's join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven,